0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School,
1: this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. This is Dr. Dawn Graham, and we're excited to be bringing you all new content during the month of June. So mark your calendars for noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Thursday, and tune in to channel 132 for the latest career tips, job search advice, and market updates. So let's dive right in. Today, I'm joined by Virginia Franco, president of the National Resume Writers Association, a five-time certified executive career storyteller and host of the award-winning Resume Storyteller podcast. Virginia helps clients create compelling stories that connect the dots on resumes and make candidates stand out in interviews. Today, you'll hear great advice on the job search, resumes, cover letters, and much more, including what professional development opportunities you should be considering right now, and how to write for the applicant tracking system so your resume gets viewed by the hiring manager. So before we dive into today's topic, let's take a minute for current news. JobVeet released the results of its 2020 Job Seeker Nation report which provides an in-depth look at the behaviors, views, and preferences of the modern American workforce before COVID-19 back in February 2020 and during the pandemic, so April 2020. Findings reveal that stress levels at work have significantly increased with 47% of workers now afraid of losing a job at some point this year compared to 28% who were worried back in February. And nearly half of surveyed workers plan to have a second source of income outside of their regular nine-to-five jobs. So what are your thoughts? Are you working on creating a new source of income during the impact of the pandemic? What are you considering? Send a tweet to at Dr. Don we always love hearing from you on social media, and don't forget to reach out on LinkedIn using a personalized invite so I know where you found me. Definitely check out my website, Dr. Dawn on Careers, to sign up for my monthly newsletter. And you can also check out my Forbes.com articles or review LinkedIn learning courses on managing your career and landing the job you want. This is Dr. Don Graham. You're listening to Sirius XM 132. I'm joined by Virginia Franco, five-time certified executive career storyteller, LinkedIn and resume writer, and host of the Resume Storyteller Podcast. I'm excited to be speaking with Virginia. She's been on the radio show and has such great advice to offer. And in these times, we need all the great advice that we can get. And we'll be repurposing this LinkedIn Live for an upcoming Sirius XM 132 radio show. So we're excited to dive in and we want to answer your questions all hour long. So if you've got a question, go ahead and type it in the comment and we will try to get to as
0: many as we can.
1: So Virginia, it's great to speak with you again. Thank you for joining
0: on LinkedIn Live. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, and as a resume writer, LinkedIn writer, career storyteller, I have to imagine
0: you're really busy right now. Um, I have been busy. Who I've been seeing has been a little different. So that's been the biggest change.
1: So so who have you been seeing that has
0: changed? Yeah, so... Look, I've been writing resumes since the day I got out of college. I had no idea back then that people did this for a living. Um, So I've sort of seen the ups and downs um, about, you know, pre-corona. I was seeing tons of people that were, you know, okay, happy in their jobs, but eager to test the waters. And now I'm seeing more people that are prepping for the worst Mm -hmm. or have begun to see furloughs or pay reductions. Um, And then I am getting, you know, people are contacting me that have lost their jobs. So. It's been yeah. tough it's tough. Yeah. It's been tough out there.
1: And so, I mean, and the toughest part is that the job market isn't necessarily the best right now. So, so individuals who are looking, what are some of the things that they're facing in the job market we're in right now? Um,
0: so they are, there was always competition because there were a lot of people that were testing the waters. Um, what I would say is it's, uh, before people were testing waters across lots of different industries. Now people that are, people are trying to make some strategic shifts to new industries. And so that makes those sectors more competitive. Um, the other thing they're facing is that, you know, companies are still trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have talked with lots of hiring managers. There is confidence that, you know, we will be, they'll be able to get back to their plans third quarter, but there's uncertainty. So it's making things slow down a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I imagine that people, if they are starting a new job, a lot of that might be remote and it's tough to start a new job remotely. When yeah,
0: there's that. Um, you know, it just the process is taking a little longer um, because there's just a lot of uncertainty.
1: And I imagine companies too going forward as they learn that they can have remote employees they can now hire in a variety of geographies, so that increases competition, and they're probably not going to rehire a lot of positions once they learn they can run lean. So that's gonna that's gonna have an impact. Are you seeing this um, impacting different uh, levels of experience or different age levels or generations differently?
0: I'm not really seeing that. What I'm seeing is more um, industries. Specific, so you know, retail and hospitality took a hit. Um, but where I'm, see, I'm seeing ripple effects now in other areas, the U.S. economy is very much tied to consumerism. So, you know, sectors that are relying on people buying stuff are, are starting to see not across the board cuts, but furloughs, um, pay cuts, that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're but just
0: certain sectors are booming, um, which is yeah. wonderful to see.
1: I agree and I think I think one of the things that that we need to look at when we're looking if we if you are looking to get a new job is that I think there're things that are booming right now that are going to continue to boom but then there there's others that are booming right now that probably won't continue that trend. So I think people need to to look at that and then I think there's other things like um HVAC and uh, you know the plexiglass industry and other things where We're going to start seeing more and more hiring as companies or buildings realize that they have to make some changes going forward. So I think it's really worth your time if you're thinking about making a job change or you're being forced to make a job change to think about what industries are going to increase as a result. Maybe there are some that are booming right now that are going to maybe level off. And so, you know, these are all things that we have to consider that, I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions around. Virginia. I, am,
0: I am. And I also say, if, you know, it, your flexibility in terms of thinking of a plan A, plan B, you know, long-term, short-term strategy depends on, you know, what's going on in your personal situation. But if things are dire, it, it is more than okay to take a gap job. Um, you spell that out on your documents. There will be um, people are, are, are being gracious at this time about that, and I don't see people looking down on you for taking that job at you know Total Wine or Home Depot or whatever, wherever it is. Just something. Yeah, I think that's on.
1: That's going to be a really um, and it really is. I'm hearing from people, Virginia, that it's a question that's coming up in interviews. You know, what have you done? And, and and you know, we're not even that far into necessarily the the pandemic, but people are getting asked, "How have you handled it?" And I think it's really important to be thinking about that in an, you know as you go to interview because people want to know what's your agility, how did you adapt, how did you use the time to maybe learn something. So I think this is something that even if you're struggling to find a role right now, you can be doing that to, that can set
0: you up better later. And you can figure out where you need to upskill, how that needs to happen. It doesn't need to you don't need to spend 40 hours on it. But you, it is nice to show that you have been somewhat productive during the during any gaps if they are if there are any.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of places that need help right now. So if you're thinking about. Networking, this is a great way to network, is to say, hey, how can I help? Or if you have an expertise that maybe you can't, uh, or they aren't hiring for, you can ask, hey, is there something I can lend? Because I think what we all need to be thinking about is that this job market is going to continue to morph and change, and how can you be setting yourself up well for later? So, So what can you be doing now, even if it's not necessarily going through the application process? So we have a question From Dr. Hannah, any advice on how to influence management to let employees attend a professional development opportunity during this time? So, yeah, so at a time when a lot of companies are slashing budgets and probably looking at ways to save money, how can, how can, they influence their manager to let them maybe go to a conference or spend money. Um, what are
0: your thoughts on that, Virginia? So that's a really good question. Um, the good thing is that most professional development conferences have been moved online, which mm-hmm. will drastically reduce the cost. So that is um, probably the first thing that w- I would bring up. So you know, this was a three thousand dollar value, and now it's available for four ninety nine or whatever the yeah. case may be. Um, however, I did ju- it's interesting. I just talked with someone today about it who. Um, and he and I are in agreement. Professional development is an investment in yourself. Um, so if you do have funds that you can afford to earmark for that, I say spend them. You know, even if you pay it in installments, um, now you didn't, your, your employer didn't pay for your undergrad more likely than not, but you used it to leverage it for your next job. So if you earn a certification or learn something, um, even if they don't pay for it and you did, it's, it's going to serve you well for your next job. So think of it long term in terms of that sort of investment.
1: Yeah, I think you're so right, Virginia. We have to look at investing in ourselves. And I think one of the things that the pandemic did was give us all a wake up call that, you know, if you're investing all of your job security dollars with one company, that it, it's um, not a wise place to to. Put all of your eggs in one basket, because the fact is things happen, whether it's to an industry or to an organization or now we're in a pandemic that is beyond the control of anybody. So I think this is a great time to be investing in your personal development. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot of resources that are lower cost now. There's a lot of things that have been moved from in-person to online. There's a lot of free resources. So I know LinkedIn Learning, for example, has opened up a lot of their courses for free. So it's also possible that for whatever you're looking to do, maybe there's a free resource that wasn't free before but is because they're
0: trying to use support people through That's right Yeah, link. uh linkedin learning is free to premium members um coursera is another one mm-hmm. udemy um there, there's a lot of free stuff and stuff that, that's pretty low budget um, so definitely go online do some searching um, but even the more expensive stuff has been reduced
1: mm-hmm. yeah so we got another question from jessica um, I know you stress job searching through networking, but mm-hmm. if there's a company you're targeting and apply online, are there tips you can offer for how to modify your resume for keywords or for more than one role? Oh, Virginia,
0: I think this is right up your alley. <laughs> <Somebody> yeah. Um, <laughs> questions, uh, yeah, your resume should absolutely be customized for the opportunity. Um, I want to take a quick step back to explain how I approach the structure of the resume, because I think that'll help. Um, We read resumes the same way that we read the news when we are in a rush. So think about the two components of a news article that you look at when you quickly want to know what's going on in the world. You look at the headline and you look at that top paragraph. Um, Those two sections tell you what the story is going to be about. So I always bring those over into my resume. The headline is a great place for you to get a keyword in there and customize it. So if you are looking at a CIO role, call yourself CIO. Um, that's going to be a keyword in the in the applicant tracking software system. If it is a VP of infrastructure, put that title on there. So that's a super easy place to customize. Um, the other section that I always include on my resume is a skills section, and that's a list of hard skills that can be swapped. You can... Sub keywords in and out based on the roles that you're targeting. Best place to find those keywords are you know, go when you're looking at a job uh, posting, go to the bottom. Um, all the top stuff is a lot of, um, you know, this is what it's about. It's a little fluffier, but the bottom is the gold. That's where it says these are the things that we must have, and these are the things that if you have, are, you know, sort of added value. That's the kind of stuff that you need to weave in. And that skill section is another great place to put it in. Um, lastly, when you have a list of bullets uh, underneath your job experience, I always want to lead off with the one that is most impactful based on the role that I am targeting. Um, because oftentimes th- that's the, f- the only one that the reader looks at because they're skim reading. Um and so that's, you know, positioning it, that, that's not going to impact how well it does getting through the software, but it will impact how uh, much it, you know, in, influences a reader when they are looking at it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Think about how you read a newspaper or a headline or, you know, somebody once told me, Virginia, that, you know, they're like, I love your blogs. that have bullet points because I only read the headline and the bullet points. And I said, that's OK,
0: because we're all in a rush. Yeah, that, we read we read the news the same way. So it's, it's quick um, and it's got to quickly tell the reader what the story is about.
1: Yeah, and if you can't get the gist from that, then, right,
0: they're not going to read more.
1: Exactly. So um, another thing I think that's really important is to make sure, even if you don't network in, if you can find somebody in the organization or somebody who even used to work for the organization, which mm-hmm. you can do a search on LinkedIn, it'll help you to perhaps get your resume shepherded to the right person to look at it, which, you know, mm-hmm. may be all you need because sometimes getting through the applicant tracking system can be a hurdle and perhaps you are qualified, but you get knocked out for something silly. So at least if you have somebody who could say, hey, you know, you may want to look at, at this resume, you might be able to get your foot in the door that way. So I think
0: That's it's, right. it's, yeah. yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> But try whatever you can do to bypass applying online as your first point of entry, I recommend, Um, because it is human nature for people when they have a role to say, while they're working with HR to get the postings done, say, who do I know? Or, hey, guys, who do you know? Um, so a lot of times, by the post the time, the postings come out. There's there's already a pipeline of people that they yeah. are sort of looking to. So it just, it, it, I've said this before. It is like a fast pass to a ride at Disney World to have an inside referral. I love that
1: analogy. Yeah. So hey, if you're just catching us, I'm Dr. Don Graham, and you're here with Virginia Franco, who is a five time certified executive career storyteller, LinkedIn and resume writer. So if you've got questions about the job search or your resume or LinkedIn or how to maybe tell the story of what you've been up to in your career the last few months, especially if you've been furloughed or laid off. You are catching us at the right time because you could just put your question in the comments and we will try to get to as many as we can here today. So we're going to stick with the questions, Virginia. We have a question from Edward What are the specific career planning activities that individuals should invest in now to best prepare for a more effective job search? And I love this because this can benefit all of us, even if you're not necessarily furloughed or laid off right now. I think there's that we all are impacted differently. Some people may have less time right now, some people have more time. So if you have more time, um, what are some of those things that are going to be worthwhile to get you ready for? things when they emerge after the pandemic. So yeah, when we
0: are let out of our homes. So <laughs> yeah. really, really good question. Um, if you are clear on your job target, what I recommend you do is reverse engineer the process. Um, it's very similar to what a salesperson does when they're building their sales pipeline. So the first thing you want to think about is what kinds of companies do I want to work with and try to come up with a list of 20, 30 companies and maybe your top 10. From there, you you can reverse engineer the process and think through, okay, who do I know in my network that works at those places? Um, Who who do I want to know? And then figure out if you have second degree connections, third degree connections, tap into your alum network, use LinkedIn's uh, filters to try to find those connections, and then start... if you do know those people, start connecting with them, have conversations, start finding out what it's like to work at those companies. Start up those preliminary interviews are something that you should be doing. I think whether you're happily employed or not, um, if you don't know the people you're going, what I recommend doing is seeing if they're active on LinkedIn. Um, if they are engaged in their discussions, add insightful commentary. Um, It's okay to reach out to them and um, you know ask them if you could learn more about what it's like to work there. And um, always try to dig through their profile to see if there's some sort of an icebreaker that you work in. Um, What you don't want to do is ask for a job right away. That's a big turnoff. But people do like to share information, Um, so that's my recommendation. If you have a job target, if you don't have a job target, then you need to do a whole kind of you know another set of thinking, which is. What am I good at? What do I like? What do I hate? Um, and where's the marriage of those? So you want to do something that you're good at and that you like to do, um, and then and then you begin the process of talking to people who have who are in those roles, who maybe moved to those roles from other kinds of you know non traditional paths, so you can find out from them how they moved into them, um, and really start diving in to figure out if there's any gaps that you might have. Um, and how you can be, you know, start figuring out how you can close those gaps. It might be through education. It might be through doing free volunteer work. I don't know very many people that are going to turn down free free volunteer work. Um, If that helps you to upskill yourself and close the game, close your gap, then do that. Um, And then if you're sure on that being your job target, then you go through the process of the companies and the people and all of that.
1: Yeah, and something um interestingly, uh, I agree with that completely, Virginia. We were talking about before we we went live on the broadcast is how how much technology we're learning because we're being forced to right
0: now. I mean, yeah. like it or and, not.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest, I, I'm actually enjoying it because I probably wouldn't have made time to do it otherwise. But I'm learning so many things about, you know, technology for efficiency, for social media. And, you know, I, I feel like even if you're not sure where you're going next, you can't go wrong with learning some new technology in some capacity. And again, there's so much free out there or trial and error, you know, look at, look at different Chrome extensions and try them out because we're all going to have to raise our level of tech savvy in ways that, that, um, you know, we're not going to, to necessarily expect, or we didn't expect six months ago. So I think, If you're looking for some ways to use this time wisely, you cannot go wrong with getting more comfortable with different types of technologies, reaching outside the box of of what you're kind of um, using currently and looking at different things that you can maybe incorporate into your work because that is going to just be a no-brainer going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to make your life easier one way or the other. My favorite of those articles that say, you know, top 25 productivity apps, and they always talk about extensions and new things you can add and things you can download from the Apple Store. Yeah, they're fun.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people in Virginia who maybe at a later stage in their career thought, maybe I can coast
0: for the last, you know, Several right? years
1: and not yeah. have to learn this. And I and yeah, had other thoughts on that, I
0: think. <laughs> so. I mean,
1: it may be before this that that might have been the case, but I don't think that's going to be the case going forward. So I think if, if that was kind of your mindset, even if technology is not someplace where you feel comfortable, find a way to learn new things, because the more kind of neural connections in your brain as you start to learn these things, that the better you're going to get, the more comfortable you're going to be. And quite frankly, no matter what your industry, the more opportunities you are going to have. So I'm Dr. Don Graham, Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM 132. And Virginia Franco is here as well. She is a five-time certified career uh, storyteller. And she's got a podcast as well, the Resume
0: Storyteller Podcast. Hey, Virginia, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, So my podcast, I want to say this fall, it'll be three years that I've had it. And I, my guests include career experts, um, as well as job seekers that have survived the job search journey and lived to tell the tale. Um, I primarily write career marketing collateral for people. So this is an opportunity to bring in people that are on other, you know, other sides of the uh, hiring fence, recruiters, coaches, LinkedIn experts, all of that.
1: That's awesome. Where can people find that, Virginia?
0: It is. Um, you can find it on app, uh, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, it's on my website, Virginia Franco Resumes. Um, it's pretty low tech, um, so, um, but I've gotten better with the audio quality. I, I just really wanted a way for people to hear from other people besides me on, you know, best practices.
1: Yeah. And it's the content that's gold. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM XM 132. And if you want to stay up to date, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham, or you can sign up for my monthly newsletter on my website, drdawnoncareers.com, where you'll also find lots of other helpful resources for your job search and career. Right now, we have to go to a break, but do stay tuned because we have lots more great job search and career advice coming right up. You're listening to SiriusXM 132. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM channel 132. Today, we're answering your questions with expert guest, Virginia Franco, five-time certified executive career storyteller and host of the award-winning Resume Storyteller podcast. Hey, has the current economic climate inspired you to make a career switch? Well, you may be ready but the hiring process isn't, and still caters to job seekers on traditional career trajectories. But I've got you covered. My book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, offers a clear roadmap to help you get in front of the decision makers, understand what's going on inside the hiring manager's mind, and rebrand your experience to show the value you bring to the new industry or function, plus many other things like answering top interview questions and negotiating the compensation package that you deserve. It's available in hardback, Kindle, and Audible, and it's the perfect gift for someone you know who's diving into a job search. This is Dr. Don Graham, and you're listening to SiriusXM 132. So we have more questions coming in. Um, Another question from Dr. Hannah: uh, how can we quantify our accomplishments for learning and development? So I'm guessing that if you're using this time for for professional development, Virginia, um, and somebody came to you and said, look, I've I've spent this time learning these things. How do I put these on my
0: resume in a way that shows they're an accomplishment? How would you coach people to do that? Wait, I want to make sure I understand the questions. You're not saying someone who is in learning development that wants to figure out how to quantify that. You're saying someone who did some professional development and wants to figure out how to put that on there.
1: Well, it's interesting because according to LinkedIn, um, Dr. Hannah is a director in learning and development. So I'm not quite sure which way we're
0: going with this okay. question, but so I'll try to answer both. So if you are in learning and development or training, yeah, you're not a traditional salesperson. So you can't say I grew revenues this much and I, you know, um, so there's a couple things that you can do. One, you have to think about what your The training you did, how did it support the company's growth? So if you can say that you did this and during the time that you were there, your company, you know, expanded into a new country or grew the revenues twofold, it's okay to put that on there. It shows that you are understanding the strategic impact of what you brought to the table. Um, Strictly in learning development, the kind of stats that you can talk about are... You know, user adoption, how much did they take the training and run with it? Um, How many people passed? um, You know, if you would before people didn't understand a service or a system and then now they do, you can quantify that. You could talk about the number of users or the number of people that you're training. Um, You know, there's lots of metrics that I imagine you use to base your that you get reviewed on. Um, And Mm -hmm. so speak to whatever the growth is in that. Um, in terms of how to put professional development on your resume, um, that's not as much a quantifiable thing, but there is, if what you add, what you learned aligns with what you want to target next, I always recommend hinting about it at the top of your resume in that summary section. So, um, say something about, um, you know, well-versed in I don't know. Uh, IOT and business intelligence or whatever the courses were that you took. And then at the, at the the on the bottom of the second page, you can have a um, certification or a professional development section where you list what you learned, where you took it. Um, if you are taking a class and you haven't finished it yet, you can always list the end date in parentheses. Um, and that way it gets on your resume and you're going to get credit for it, even if it's not done. Um, so I hope that answers that question.
1: Yeah no thank you for answering both of those questions <laughs> that was very helpful and and i'm imagining um virginia you know again going back to your storyteller expertise mm-hmm. that because so many people have been impacted by the current situation and it's it's worldwide and everybody understands what's happening i think this is probably going to be one of the easier times to explain a layoff and to be able to use this, you know, here's what I did in the meantime as a way to really catapult yourself over the competition.
0: That's right. And, you know, people you mentioned in an earlier question, um, talking about people that are at the end stages of their career and there's always the concern of age discrimination. Um, one of the biggest sort of misnomers about people that are have been working for many years that they're sort of set in their way that they are resistant to new learning. What better way to overcome that? Than to say. I just learned mm-hmm. Y and Z. So mm-hmm.
1: I just learned how to program in Python. There I you go. <laughs> <You'll learn> <laughs> but I would Zoom. be very <laughs> impressed if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's stick with the questions. Um, we have another one from Raju. In the absence of a job description and only a cryptic job title, say technology director, how do you suggest we customize our resume for this? Role. So, hmm, in the absence of a job description, that would be pretty
0: tough. Well, um, I, you know, i people have told me about that where they say, I, I'm someone's working on, on uh, a company is looking for something, they're flushing out the job description, it's not ready yet. Go online, look for things that look similar. Public companies have to post those job postings. Um, they don't need to be where you live, they can be in Hawaii but just the kinds of roles that interest you. And when you grab four or five, you're going to see commonalities. Um, and then you are at least 98% customized for the role that you don't have clarity on. And then when you get it, then you can make, make those minor tweaks to the headline, to the skill section. Um, those areas that we talked about earlier.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm not a huge fan of necessarily of uh, using the online big boards for for actually applying to jobs. I do think you can use them for a lot of research and see what the current terminology is right. and, and what um, organizations tend to be looking for.
0: So I love that advice, Virginia. Yeah. And you can even Google what does an IT developer do? And there's mm-hmm. an articles that, you know, spell it rudimentarily. I imagine if you're getting for a role like that, you already have a sense for it, but
1: yeah, and this is where I'm going to get back to, you, to the your network, because I think each organization has a specific culture and a specific kind of internal set of values and mission. I think the more information you can get from, from an insider that, you know, again, they don't have to work in that department. They they don't even have to work in that maybe specific office. But the more you can get, the more you're going to be able to create a document or LinkedIn profile that really gets to the heart of what they're looking
0: for. That's right. Yeah. Especially, you know, you want to know the little things that are unique to that company. Is it important for you to be able to work with people around the globe um, in different time zones? You know, those sorts of little things are might be unique to that company and an inside track can help you to find that.
1: So the questions keep coming in. So we're going to go to Jasmine's question. Is there an article that or a list that outlines which industries are thriving right now in our COVID-19 times to help us
0: target our job search. Yes. And so yes, yes, there, yes. Are of, <laughs> there are lots of different sites. Um, if you go to LinkedIn, Andrew Seaman, who's the LinkedIn editor of I think it's, uh, hashtag Get Hired, he has a list that you will see. It's in everyone's home feed um, to the right, mm-hmm. usually. And it's a list of everyone. Another place that I have been directing people to is called Candor, C-A-N-D-O-R. The founder of that company has put together a list of companies that are hiring, those that are furloughing, those that have freezes. It's a list. It's a comprehensive Mm user-generated list. But what I love about it is it also has a place for people that are hiring to shout out and then also for people to apply online. Um, Another thing to do is use the hash. You do searches. Um, I know it works for Twitter and for LinkedIn. It's up. It's either uh, now hiring or hired now. uh, Now I'm having dyslexia with it, but try one of those and you'll see one has the most followers that um, that's what employers have been encouraged to use. Um, And I have been seeing postings in my feeds um, because people are really eager to get the word out when there is an opportunity. Yeah, I, I
1: love that. And there's there's so many places you can follow. You can sign up for for lists, but there's there are legit tons of places that are doing this research right now. I love the the candor site. We share that with our our students. Important. And um, and I think if you subscribe to these or you follow them on on the social media sites, then you're gonna keep updated with that. But just it's funny because I just got an email on that not an hour ago about right. the, the growth of. Um, it's uh, from flex jobs that, in terms of remote jobs specifically. So I mean, you could even get these lists tailored to the types of jobs you're looking for. But they're they're nothing that you wouldn't be be guessing. Medical and health, computer IT, yeah. education and training, you know, project management, e-commerce. So all of those industries that you might expect if you kind of look at what's happening in the world.
0: That's right. And those and having a sense for who does have budgets, even if there's no specific posting, it's a great place to start your job search preparation of, you know, figuring out who you know, who you need to know, all of that.
1: Yeah. And these are great questions. Thank you for everybody who's taken the time to to watch and to ask your questions. This is um the benefit of this is it just doesn't help the individual asking the question, but it helps. It everybody who has a similar question. So I appreciate that. And we're gonna go to Sheila's question. Um, As a paralegal contract specialist, it's difficult for me to use the standard resume tactics for a job search. Do you have any recommendations on how I can make my resume snap crackle pop and still be consumable by ATS slash HR to get me through the next steps? And I know you've got a great answer for this one, Virginia.
0: So I have written paralegal resumes. Um, what I would say is that they are more a little bit more traditional. So you want to go with um, muted colors, um, more traditional fonts. Um, I tone it down on graphics. Uh, that doesn't always go over well in that more traditional industry. Um, but the same elements are are need to be there. You need to have a headline or a job title that says paralegal um you need to have a summary paragraph that says why you then you have some skills that show the different the different aspects of the role that you understand um i would also include some of the software that you know um there's you know there's specific legal search software that you need for paralegal work um and then you're going to go through your experience section um what i would recommend is thinking about you know what what am i proudest of where do i feel like i've left my mark um what do you get praised for and that's the kind of stuff you want to include on your resume um, that is more valuable than a laundry list of what you do day in and day out so you can list something that you have that is part of your response you know one of your responsibilities but show it within the context of how you you know supported an attorney or you know supported a case that you were on and um, and then you're going to want to include your your education or your certifications. Um, so those those are the same components as any resume. Um, just the format's a little a little bit more traditional.
1: Yeah, and I think this is where the value of what what you do, Virginia, and um, people who are expert resume writers is that it you can kind of step outside it's hard to step outside yourself and look at things very differently and so i think that's that's something that you do so well and um most of us probably think we have a good resume until somebody else looks at it and starts saying but what about this and and you forgot this or you, you really do this great why isn't this on there so i i also think um you know sheila another thing you could think about is using your linkedin profile for that snap crackle pop because LinkedIn profiles offer a lot of uh, space and flexibility to show your personality and pretty much now, uh, you know, everybody who's going to be looking to hire you or interview you is going to look at your LinkedIn profile. So don't overlook the opportunity to create a a, uh, background in your profile that really shows your personality and use that about section to really communicate who you are. You can add, you know, videos and images and links and like Virginia said, you want to keep it uh, traditional enough that it makes sense for your industry, but also uh, shows who you are, because I think that's one of the benefits of LinkedIn that a lot of people overlook. If you're just copying and pasting your resume, you're missing some of the, the aspects of LinkedIn that can really propel your career.
0: I agree. This is a place for the reader to hear your voice. Um, and, you know, every, we always talk about keywords and resumes. Um I honestly think they're more important this stage on LinkedIn because um, resumes, people tend to find roles um, more quickly by networking, but on LinkedIn, they're searching on there and they're typing in certain words for someone like you to pop up to the top of the search. Um, So really think through with your LinkedIn where, you know, make sure that your headline is customized to include the kinds of keywords that someone Mm -hmm. would look for to search for a paralegal. Make sure your job titles say that as well, Um, because LinkedIn is very keyword driven when it comes to um, talent searches.
1: And Virginia, I want to ask a a follow up question to this, because I get asked this a lot. And as a resume writer, I assume you do, too. Should should people write one type of resume for the machine and one type for the human? Is that something that you'd recommend? So
0: if you're a yeah. yeah. So, you know, 10 years ago, I used to create one for online and one for um, in person. I have stopped doing that because applicant mm-hmm. tracking software, ATS, is so much better than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to aim for one that is designed first and foremost by human beings, but isn't going to get kicked out by ATS. So, I'm going to make sure that my contact information is never in a header or a footer because LinkedIn can't read anything that's in there. Um, If I go a little whimsical with some graphics and I have some information in a text box, for instance, I am going to make sure that whatever is in the text box is also in the body of the work. If I work for a bunch of different, I have several roles, um, several titles with the same company. I've had lots of roles. I'm going to make sure that the company name is seen next to each job title so that the computer gives me credit for it. Um, but I do just write one document now.
1: Yeah. So, but I think a lot of those things you just said are things that people who don't understand necessarily how the ATS systems work, the applicant tracking systems may not be thinking about. So I think those are great tips yeah. for people to understand that, that you know, how you format it or or, you know, the type of file you use can be really critical on if your document even gets seen.
0: Yeah, the best way to figure out if everything that you are writing can be read well by ATS is to take, if you do a Word document, convert it to um, a TXT file, you know, when you do save as, and then click on TXT, and then it just strips away all the format. It looks more like gobbledygook, but if you can still make sense of it, then so can the um, bots that are looking at it.
1: So question from Paco, is there a recommended length for a resume? Should we not exceed two pages?
0: Um, So there is, the answer is it depends. Um, I really try hard to keep, so if you have less than five years of experience, I really try to keep it to one page um, because in my, I have yet to write one where I can't get the salient points in there on one page. Um, I have written occasionally three page resumes, but what I have found is that a lot of readers are just, you know, we're like squirrels. We read and then we go, we look at something else. And so I don't want to risk losing that, that skim reader. So I really do try to get it, keep it to two pages. Um, how I do that is I will synopsize earlier experience that happened, you know, earlier than 15 years from now. Um, So it takes up so that gives me almost a page and a half to focus on the you know what I've done the most recently. I try to tell my job my job story in five or six bullets, focusing on accomplishments versus responsibilities. Um, I stick with like an eleven point font um, that is it doesn't take up as much room. Um, and then I, you know, I play a little bit with spacing, wider margins. You can go as far as half an inch, but there's a, you know, a couple of Microsoft Word hacks like that that you can do to get more text in there than you would have otherwise. To so try for two pages if you can.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say that it's rare to go over two pages. I completely agree. Obviously, fields like um, medicine or academia might be
0: yeah, that, yeah. Those are, those are curriculum vitae. That's different. Um, yeah. sometimes it's like if someone. I don't know if they were a consultant and they want to really want to feature a bunch of extra projects that they worked on. I might say additional project information available and I'll have an addendum as a third page. Um, But I really do want the bulk of the most the last 15 years to be on those two pages.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I think a lot lot of people um, put more than they they probably should. Going back, Virginia, to what you were saying about the headlines and you know the synopsis. I think if we really did look at our resumes and say what what information would be compelling for this role and what is just you know great stuff but not really relevant to to this particular position, I think a lot of us can have shorter resumes. Yeah. Kind
0: of- if, if you think about when you left la- when you left the job or when you are with this role, if you leave and you reflect back. Where have you left your mark? Mm-hmm. That often really does help the the other stuff just sort of fall away and help you to focus on what is most important.
1: Yeah. And this is where somebody like a resume writer or, um, you know, even just an objective friend yeah, or objective manager, party,
0: right? They,
1: they can help you. Know, you. They it's
0: can hard, it's I mean, yeah. It's um, hard to write your own stuff. It's your own blood, sweat and tears. I get it. It
1: really is hard to write about yourself. The other thing is, I love your analogy. So I want to add one here, which is, it's kind of think about it like a movie preview. And you want to give enough in that preview that people want to go to the movie and they want to see the movie. Um, and the same with your resume. You want them to invite you in and ask you more. But but you know, nowadays, I feel like all movie previews Basically, show you the entire movie, and they're like, "I don't need to see
0: anymore." <laughs> so that's right. Well, my my favorite analogy is that this is your brochure; it is not your blueprint. Um, Love that. So, there you go. Love that.
1: All right, Charlene writes: if there, if your current title is VP, but you're applying for something without the VB, VP title, like regional manager. How do you let the company know you're okay with that so they don't automatically think you would want too much money or
0: be overqualified? Mm -hmm. So that's where the beauty of having a customizable headline comes in. Call -hmm. yourself a leader. Call yourself a specialist. Um, The person will then go down and see that you were a VP, but that headline shows that you are open um, and then the language talks about what you bring to the table. And if you've hooked them with that, then they don't tend to go immediately to what what was that title? And those sorts of questions around are they too expensive, what they take it? That seems to fall away because they're focused on how it is that you can help them and how you're a great fit for what they need.
1: Yeah, and I think I think something that we often forget, especially if we've worked somewhere for a long time, is that, That, you know, VP in a company that is a global company with 100,000 employees may be very different (laughs) than a small startup.
0: Right. You could be an IT manager for for a small startup that's like a CIO somewhere else. Titles vary from company to company. People are VPs at banks at 24 sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't let the company name throw you off. If the salary seems like it's okay from doing your homework and the role – seems like something that's a good fit, just put a more generic label to that title.
1: Yeah, and I think it can also be really helpful to to put a line under the, the company title, particularly if it's, if you know, with the size of the company, maybe the revenue or the number of employees so that people can understand maybe where your title fits in in terms of, you know, relative to the the size of the company or the type of the company. But I want to ask a follow-up to that, Virginia, because I think we get this question a lot. Especially in this climate, if, if you're willing to take maybe a step back in your career in terms of level because you, you know, you financially want to be employed, what are some things you should consider in your job search so that, you know, people don't automatically just write you off as,
0: as, you know, somebody who, um, you know, is, is overqualified Right. Um, no, that's a really good question. So, there are two places where I feel like you can focus that. Um, in terms of just your career marketing collateral, to me, the cover letter is a great place to address that, the elephant in the room. So, I wouldn't say, look, I'll, I'll take anything. I wouldn't put that on there, but you can say, I'm really interested in a company that's a really good fit, and this one seems to be, or this opportunity is something that I can sink my teeth into. Um, So you are saying, showing that you are about more than just what the salary is. Um, The other beauty of of talking with your network is that you can, especially if you are close with those people, you can be a little bit more candid. Um, And then that your documents will get shepherded through and you can make it clear that let's not, let's not worry about the money. Let's not worry about that. I'm really interested in the opportunity.
1: So so yeah, I, I love that you bring up the cover letter, Virginia, because we haven't talked about that. And I know no, there's exactly. a lot of schools of thought on the cover letter. My, my thing is, if you're going to apply, you absolutely should include a tailored cover letter. But I know there's there's another school of thought that it's a waste of time. Where, where do you stand?
0: So from everything I've read and the uh, sort of anecdotal uh, polling that I've done, my sense is that they get read a third of the time, maybe sometimes half, but mostly a third, which means two thirds of the time they get pitched. But when they get read, they can make all the difference. When they are sent to someone that you know, that is a reference of someone, you know, they are more likely to get read, which again, speaks to the power of networking. Um, So they can't, they don't always help, but they can't hurt. So that's sort of where I fall. (laughs)
1: Well, and i you know, I kind of dig into the stats because I, I see the stat all the time that says seventeen percent get read or something. But then you look at the other stats around, you know seventy five percent of of uh, resumes get stuck or kicked out in the ATS. And of course, we know these numbers vary, but, but here's the thing as a as somebody who's recruited for a long time I will tell you if your resume intrigues me that I will read your resume first that is that is always the case mm-hmm. but if your resume intrigues me I am then going to go to that cover letter and expect that you have a tailored cover letter that adds to that and if you don't I think you kind of get knocked down point because you know our assumption is then you're just trying to paper the world with your resume. So I do think you're right. A lot of them won't get read. They will get pitched, but you don't want to get that far in the process and realize that, wow, if I had only written a cover letter, I might've
0: made it to the next level. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no downside. It's, it's except for your, your blood, sweat and tears. in mm-hmm. writing it,
1: so. so we're going to get Edward, um, when customizing our resumes, are there other strategies to address skill gaps related to a particular target job other than to just talk around it. So how um, do you address skill gaps and customizing so a resume?
0: If the job posting says you must have this experience and you don't, um, I would skip applying online. You're not going to do well.
1: I completely agree with where you're going with this, that you're right. If you're going through an applicant tracking system, then you are going to find that if you don't have the things that match, you're going to get kicked out. If you are customizing your resume to address skill gaps, um, this could be a great place for you to include in the cover letter things you've done that are similar to that. So, think about again, we we're just talking about the cover letter, how you can engage that to talk about how you've done things that are similar. And then, I would say if you're not particularly, um, you know, having a traditional background for a job and there's There's, you know, some kind of hesitation on your part to to move forward with that. What I would think about is what have you done that has really shown your agility, your adaptability, your, uh, you know, learning things really quickly. So perhaps you have examples of starting a job and you had very little guidance and you had to kind of dive in and, and you saved a customer. Those things can go really far in showing that, you have what it takes to roll your sleeves up and do this job well. Because the fact is most skills required for a job are transferable to things around leadership and communication and problem solving and the skills that are required of the role. A lot of times can be learned on the job. And again, this is a time when your network can really come in and save you because If you can get in front of the decision makers, oftentimes you have enough transferable skills and examples and accomplishments where you can show the hiring manager that you're the one for the job. So I think we are running out of time, but I do want to thank Virginia Franco for joining us here on LinkedIn Live. She has a great podcast called the Resume Storyteller Podcast. Thank you to Dana and Karina, who are behind the scenes, and we will catch up with you next time. Good luck, everybody. Thank you for your questions and stay well.
0: For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upen.edu.